When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey Club Scouts, it's Michael, and we are doing our very first live show at Contact in the Desert, a giant UFO-themed convention in Indian Wells, California. Our show is on Saturday, June 1st at 2.30, featuring an amazing expert guest that we will announce in the coming weeks. Go to contactinthedesert.com for tickets, and don't forget to pack a cellophane packet full of interdimensional food pills, because you never know what could happen. We'll see you there. It's Bigfoot Collectors Club with Bryce and Michael. <laughs> I know a ghost story or two. Do right. do this. <laughs> what? <laughs> Bryce, get off you, my back, Michael. You're really... You're really starting that you're getting into a habit of just like talking to yourself over the uh, the opening <laughs> intro, Bryce. Did you just say your name, Bryce? What were you no, saying? No, was, Riley was saying you got to get close because the, the mic was the mic. Guess so needed to get close to the mic. But oh, you made yeah, a bad trying joke. to be funny. <laughs> you're very you're you are hilarious. I try. I know, it's, and and not not too bad anyway. to, not too bad to look at either oh well i like thanks. to sexually harass bryce on the, on the show hey everybody welcome back to another episode of bigfoot collectors club the show where we talk to amazing guests about their personal paranormal history and tell stories of high strangeness yes. i am your host michael mcmillan with me always is your other host bryce johnson and our super producer riley bray and nova is in the house for this episode but he might pop by later um today's guest is an actress of stage and screen you know her from true blood and netflix's daredevil and punisher she's also the creator of relics and rarities on youtube and twitch ladies and gentlemen please welcome my dear friend deborah ann wall yay Yay! hi guys how are you i'm good it's nice up here it's really fun to drive like up out of the city a little bit i know next to a creek there's a mountain spring that runs through here i parked like half in the road and half up on a hill yeah that's that's always fun that makes it fun it does there's a there's a ditch with a creek there i do mm-hmm. I, we talk about on the system. show there's a yeah there's an underground network of goblin caves <laughs> there's this waterfall that i yeah. drive through and then i have a whole layer wait a minute wow and uh there we learn we've heard now doing research for over a year with all mm-hmm. these stories that uh oftentimes paranormal activity happens around a body of water like mm-hmm. a lake or a stream um we have we ever talked about whether or not You've we've had any paranormal? I mean, we know we have a ghost in the studio for sure. Yeah, uh-huh. but have you ever had weird stuff? Do you think in the woods, in the hills up here? I mean, there's been some moments in the house, like late at night alone, where especially if I walk into the the back corner where the bathroom is, mm. where like 
I don't, it's hard to explain. I'll just, it'll sort of like, it feels like the ground sinks a little bit and it kind of freaks me out. But I don't That's really... an earthquake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. shakes a little like bit. Kind of like... Sounds That's like a... we have a skeptic on today's <laughs> bad foundation. It's just like, I'll get a, like a feeling, like a little like, yeah. but you, re- yeah. you realize that the floor is just a stack <laughs> just, of rugs. It's just a very old house <laughs> and slowly sinking. You know, I've noticed like, so before when I shut everything off before night and I, I do the coffee, and I, I lock the doors. I last lock, I last lock my front door, and then I'll peer out the curtain window <laughs> just to see if anything or anyone is like, you know, like in a dark hooded in the driveway. So I don't know what I'm expecting to find, but I feel like if I keep doing it, one of these days I'm going to find something. Yeah. Mommy, why is that strange yeah. neighbor staring at us through his I curtains know. with it's all a, the it's lights? It's a weird off. habit, but it's like I do it to like address the fear of like looking out into the darkness. You well, know, I, yeah. I heard something kind of lovely actually. There was this idea that ghosts can't haunt a place that doesn't have enough wood. So really? that's part of why mostly older homes are haunted rather than modern homes. <laughs> I Whoa. think that's kind of beautiful. We have not heard that screwed. Which is like forests can be haunted and like old wooden houses. Like that. We've that's never cool. heard yeah. that. Where yeah. where did you pick up this friend of a friend? Uh-huh. Uh, so they one of my friends. So I know. So my friends Daniel and Matthew Montgomery are these yes. you know them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super spooky, fun people. They have a Goosebumps podcast that they do. And um I don't know. We gotta get them on the show. You mm. should get them on yeah, the show. Yeah. We have the thirteenth annual Constables Ball that we do every year. Oh my it's god. Always the 13th annual That's amazing. Um, yeah it's great and basically we play theater games and we're dressed up in like our own sort of gothic victorian horror story that we've come up with then you that. play theater games to try to guess each other's backstory but anyways yeah he told me a friend once told him that like you have to live in a house with a lot of wood so that it can be haunted so That's space stations aren't are not haunted, not haunted. <laughs> mm, right that's cool i mean i get yeah but I guess well, castles are haunted and they got oh, a lot of stone, but there's cool. wood. There's wood in the castle. Like there's wood. There's still wood. It's yeah. got to hold those stones together. I was thinking of the three pigs. I was like, maybe that's mm. the progression of the three pigs. Go uh, on. Well, the, the <laughs> first one is made of wood, and as you get further away, it the wolf becomes less. Oh right, of an enemy. straw than oh. wood. Straw. I'm grasping at straws here, but, so uh, to speak. Yeah, you know though, I, I will say though, the house has a very positive energy. I've never felt like yeah. a yeah. demonic presence. No, yeah. like everyone who yeah. walks into this house yeah. is like. It. Great house. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. No, did, the point was you want wood in your house. Yeah. You want it to I, be I able to be haunted. Like, that's yeah. what character is. Well, Deb, yeah. you, you yeah. grew up in New York City, correct? Yes. In yes. Brooklyn. Yes. And uh, did you, what, what's it like growing up? See, I grew up in Kansas. Mm-hmm. I grew up next to the woods. I was terrified of the purple <laughs> man that lived in the woods. It was an alien whose spaceship crashed there, and I knew that he was out there. Um, <laughs> Real thing, clear. Look it you up. You know, <laughs> like, I feel like, you know, I was in the suburbs, but very country adjacent. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always scared of like UFOs landing in fields and stuff. What's it like growing up in New York City that is so busy, so urban? Like, what are you scared of supernatural? St- what kind of supernatural stuff are you, are you scared of growing up in the big city? Huh. Good question. Um, I mean, it was a creaky old house. We live in a townhouse in Brooklyn. It was built in 1890, I think. Okay. We had like a hundred year party, I think, in 1990 to celebrate the house turning 100. That's cool. Um, so it would make noises and things like that and stuff wouldn't work and floorboards creaked and stuff. So there were definitely a lot of nights where you'd hear something 
And you'd know, you know, you know in your mind, it's just a creaky old house, but still like your palms get sweaty and your heartbeat starts to go. And I've always thought of that when it comes to acting. I'm like, acting is just doing that on purpose. What, right. Oh, yeah, right. Haunting <laughs> yourself on purpose? <laughs> kind of. Kind yeah, of. I, I would agree with that. You, I mean, know, uh, you know in your, in your mind that it's fiction, but your heart doesn't know. Yeah. Exactly. Interesting. So you sound to be a little bit. I was joking earlier, yes. but you just you do seem a bit skeptical. Would um, you say you fall on on that spectrum, or where on the spectrum of right. belief oh, and disbelief are you? What is your personal paranormal history? <laughs> Let's get right into it. Do that first. Um, I I I have not had personally any paranormal experiences. I am fascinated by them. I love stories and movies about them. I listen to lore. I'm here on your podcast because yeah. that's curious to me. Um, I I was a math and science kid growing up, and I'm a practical, logical kind of person. So my belief, like I really like in the original Haunting, he talks about paranor- paranormal and preternatural. Mm-hmm. So there's this idea that there are things that are unexplainable to us today, and so they seem paranormal, sure. but that in the future, when we have more answers, we'll have will have answers for that. Right. Like magnetism would have totally spooked someone out back in the day. Um, but I don't know. That that doesn't but to me I would still go, oh, but magnetism doesn't necessarily say that isn't spirits. Right. It's just right. maybe both or there's a little of everything. So I'm not a skeptic, but I do look for the real uh, a, a real physical reason first. Right. Right, you you are you're no Bryce Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind not. of the opposite. He goes straight uh, to the spookiest right, explanation, right, and right. then we have to try to walk him back okay. from it. Interdimensional okay. ghost That's aliens. That's not true. I'm, a, I'm, I'm sort of a uh, prag- pragmatic skeptic myself. Oh boy, <laughs> we hate, we'll talk. We'll talk after the show, perhaps in denial. Um, <laughs> So that yeah, so I guess too. I guess we throw that term skeptic around on on yeah. the show, and maybe that's not the right right word for it because you do see. It sounds like you are open minded. Yeah. Well, and part of me wants to. I I maybe it's the opposite. I want it to be real so much. Okay. And mm. I don't want to be fooled. So mm. I I'd I'd like to to knock out any of the possible reasons for why it isn't something spiritual and wonderful right. and mm-hmm. magical and then go, that's all it can be. Right. And then it feels real rather than just believing it and then finding out later that I was conned. Well, this ask, sounds like there, a healthy approach. Is there, any, <laughs> uh, is there any subject within the kind of paranormal, let's say, UFOs, uh, ghosts, or like cryptids that you, that you subscribe to more that you're like, oh, I, I believe that this... This certain avenue has more science that can be, be applicable towards it. Um, probably more. Hmm. Oh, that's a really I good question. I'm, I guess I'm driving it like because yeah. you know I always I always think for like for skeptics or or for people who lean towards kind of scientific explanation the the realm of UFOs and yes. UAPs are such a great area to explore because it's so data rich. What, I right. Mean, there's so many cases and of verifiable incidents. Interestingly <laughs> enough, that's the one I'm the most skeptical of. Is that of right? That's wild. Because of psychology. Because mm. I, honest to God, there's absolutely life out there. The fact, I mean, the idea that it would look anything remotely like a four-limbed, headed creature mm-hmm. is so slim to none that, I mean, sure, but it might be a parasite or a germ or sure. a virus. I believe there's life out there. But the fact that what people are describing are humanoid suggests mm-hmm. to me that it's more about them mm-hmm. and their minds and their hearts. Well, I would say to that, those are probably the people that are subscribing to the uh, extraterrestrial right. hypothesis, whereas 
I, and I don't know about these guys, but I subscribe to more of what's called the interdimensional hypothesis. Mm-hmm. So that whatever is sort of taking place um, is sort of inhabits that the, the this area that we inhabit, Earth right. itself. So it's not so much of a, it's coming from out there, but that perhaps these things that we are you know, experiencing are coming from in here. Now that doesn't, I don't know if that the means call it's coming, is coming from, from the, within the house. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know if that sort of means it's, it's being manifested through a collective unconsciousness mm-hmm. sort of as like my, you know, uh, Carl Jung might feel or that, that perhaps it, you know, um, you know, according to some quantum mechanics that say, you know, there's portals being opened, the different quantum parallel universes mm-hmm. that, uh, that are easy to traverse or, or maybe that there's just something with this human species that is uh, oh. that is that is fascinating to a to sort of a supernatural intelligence that that seems to be parlaying its way into our lives. I mean, I, I believe in energy. I I wouldn't even say I'm not religious, and I I wouldn't say that I'm even spiritual. To be honest, I I sort of think when you die, you're you become fertilizer and you grow more dust things, to dust. and you know. But I do I do think it's a really beautiful idea that energy cannot be created or destroyed. Mm-hmm. So that scientifically, all of the energy that will ever exist is bouncing around within us. Yeah, and I'm just a bunch of bouncing molecules. And you're just a b- bunch of bouncing molecules, yeah. and we're actually even across these this even three this feet. Even this chair is a bunch of yeah. We're just bouncing off each other. So I believe that energetically, we're all interacting and and changing each other every second. Um, so that I think, again, like that's almost magic enough for me. Mm-hmm. I don't need there to be spirits or a god necessarily right. to to give that meaning for me. That's amazing i love that yeah but don't you want to see a just a badass <laughs> spaceship land in your backyard <laughs> well i'm i'm maybe kind of with bryce if that ever happened i would probably believe it had more to do with like a space-time continuum right. and us mm. than i have i would believe it was ne- like really something out well, there. there's the theory that uh, that these ufos we see are you mm-hmm. know are, are us from the future that these humanoid creatures could be us yeah a thousand years from now or another million years from now. How we evolved. survive? I don't God. know. How do we I don't do know. that? I don't know. I don't know. Our heads get bigger and our bodies get smaller and that's, smaller. That's how to survive. Yeah. We get smarter and eat less. Well, yeah. and in some of these abduction cases, they talk about how um, the abductee will talk about how oftentimes they think that the the gray aliens, mm-hmm. you know, the textbook, almond-shaped yes. black eyes, big heads that they seem almost like they are androids or robotic or synthetic, which begs the question, what if us from the future it's is not us? What if it's post-singularity and these are sort of synthetic yeah. androids mm. or robotic drones? Or maybe that's how we survive. We've become machines yeah. and now the machines are coming back and yeah. observing their makers. Well, that's the other thing that always bothered me about that is that if you look at any open system you always see you see diversification you don't see homogenization you don't see people and species and creatures becoming more alike you see them becoming more and more different Mm -hmm. um that is what a healthy ecosystem creates so the idea that any race that we meet from outer space all look the same is crazy and anti-scientific and um so yeah it does seem to me that you you'd need an answer for that Mm -hmm. for why has everything become similar well you know you'd be happy to know that there is a an amalgamum of different types of entities and creatures that people report but yes for the most part they do seem to be bipedal but there is sort of this phenomenon of uh of 
insect related entities mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. mostly the mantids that you know these praying mantid type bugs. yeah the bugs yeah, the bugs. yeah exactly and those seem to inhabit a lot of people's uh stories I mean, of experiences as well cockroaches they almost you know yeah. survive the, yeah. the apocalypse right yeah. you know it's interesting thing going back to michael's time uh travel. kind of time travel theory and it being us there's a fam- that's right it's mine <laughs> i invented it <laughs> there's, a, time, so. there's a famous case yeah, uh, the macmillan oh yes the McMillan <laughs> quantum UFO theory. Yeah, yes. there's a famous case in UFO lore called the Rendlesham Forest case, and it's sort of uh, uh, England's Roswell, and it's and it's backed up by a, a, a lot of eyewitness accounts because it took place over a, a military installation uh, that held nuclear armaments, and it was actually. Uh, uh, the base was inhabited by U.S. personnel. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so they saw these kind of strange lights in and amongst the forest. And they sent out a couple. Uh, one was a sergeant, I believe, and then one was a private. They they sent uh, them out to go investigate. And they came upon this craft that was in this field. And it was sort of like a triangular-shaped craft with strange hieroglyphics. One guy, you know, and they're on the radio describing it right right in live time. And and I think his name is Jim Pendleton. His He was a sergeant. He goes up and he sees these strange hieroglyphics on the craft. And he goes up and he touches the craft. And he gets what he called a download of information. Like it immediately mm-hmm. downloaded into his mind all this this data that he would later process, not there on the site. But um, it wasn't until weeks later where he was having these fever dreams of binary codes, zeros and ones. And he actually wrote it all down. Um, because it occurred so much and so repetitively and that he took it to someone who was able to translate this binary and the message that came out was so strange but it was so um uh digestible it was it was it was something about that that the that they were actually us from the future here to warn us about you know nuclear uh, disarmament, some, the nuclear annihilation, and it was a strange message that had to do with like them being us. From but the that future. stuff is so weird because if it's like okay, if there are time travelers from the future and they're like, the world's gonna blow up, <laughs> then how do they get in a time machine and come no, back uh, in time? Yeah. It's no, like exactly get into well, all the loopholes. Yeah. The problem. Well, then this is the problem because now you start to get into what I love about it is that it's all surrounded by high strangeness. That while most of it seems to like have a uh, a tangible reality to it there's always this one part of each and every case that is strange beyond belief almost as if to compel us to say uh, to debunk it or to to throw it into a category of, of of completely unexplainable none of these cases are are altogether uh, coalesce and align with each other each each and every one has a certain aspect to it that you just can't box up into it mm-hmm. you know and put it in a box which is which is why I, I don't know i always think that something out there is really sort of like you know that there's an intelligence behind that that, that there's some sort of like mechanism to do that you know to make it sort of to confound us as the experiencer or the the witness you know i have no idea but the cosmic trickster the cosmic <laughs> trickster <laughs> absolutely <laughs> you know who knows did you get in when uh because i know uh you are a very thorough actor. You do your mm-hmm. homework. When we were doing True Blood, did you get into researching supernatural stuff? I mean, did or, you just look at vampires, or were you looking at um, like fairy stuff too? Like, what, 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 what did you research, and what did you, what? Uh... I mean, I I stuck pretty much to the vampire stuff. I didn't end up interacting a ton with the other yeah species. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Racist sounds works. wrong too. Like I don't know. <laughs> um. So yeah, I I mostly went through some of that, but even that is fascinating. You know, you look back at um, you know, Elizabeth Battery or um. Uh, Count Flawed or all those guys and, and kind of these old, you know, where do these myths come from? And, and you know, so much of it is about us just trying to grasp the unknowable mm. and say, you know, I had this feeling, I had this experience and I need to explain it, you know? This guy who I hated died and now my whole family is dying and my crops are dying. I think we should dig him up. Yeah. You know, and then they, you see that his nails are longer and his teeth are longer and his hair is longer. And because you don't understand science, you go, oh, my God. Oh, and he looks kind of bloated like yeah. he's been drinking blood. And yep. you go, oh, he he's pale. got up and he, he's living killed, he killed my kids. Right. Yeah. You know, that's why my kids died because mm. this evil guy, you know, so, you know, you're looking for explanations and we still do it today. And I'm, I'm sure there are all kinds of things that we believe that... Uh, you know, are, are again are more about us, which is I think why I find this stuff fascinating. Yeah. Less maybe less that I'm I'm intrigued in the way you guys are into mm. kind of the supernatural element, but I'm so curious about what all of this says about us, whether it's real or not. The way we choose to interact with it is fascinating. Well, and that's the thing. Uh, well put. Yeah, it's great. I mean, and the more we get into this stuff, and I've said this on the show, I'm sure multiple times at this point. But when you do get into these encounters that people have or claim that they have, there really is, like Bryce says, the the you know the term high strangeness really is about like that quality to some of these experiences that seem so surreal that it, it, when it, trying to explain it, it sounds immediately unbelievable. But to me, they seem to some of these encounters to me feel like a blending of reality and dream. And the subconscious really playing out in archetypes yeah. that are presenting themselves, perhaps in the physical realm, mm -hmm. and in a way that we don't understand how how that happens, you know. And and maybe people are hallucinating, maybe they're you know, but there might. I, I'm curious if there's some way that that unconscious. These unconscious symbols, archetypes that have been around forever can actually physically manifest in the world and engage with a user mm -hmm. for a for that particular and it and it is and what it links up with what you're saying is that it's about the person, it's about the experiencer and something internally that is somehow manifesting yeah. in a physical way yeah. that we don't understand. Well, and as someone who loves... Does that make sense? No, it does make sense. When I was going to say, as an actor, I mean, you'll get this. I mean, all we do are, are create feelings and experiences out of nothing. So we know that energetically that's possible. Just because it's not real doesn't mean it's... Or just because it's not true right. doesn't mean it isn't well, real. Well, that's right. Look around so, the room. Hold yeah. on. Yeah. Every single thing that you see in this room started as an idea. It mm -hmm. started as a concept. Mm -hmm. All these books, the, the furniture that we're sitting on, the guitars on the wall. Like, this... People are... People's yeah. thoughts, creative, you know, you know, uh, craftsmanship, everything was behind this. Yeah. At one point, there was nothing in this room. Somebody had to think it up and make it. And so we see examples of the unmanifest being manifested 
all the time. Yeah, well, look at this. So I had night terrors when I was a kid. Ooh, me too. Um, so there you go. This is really interesting. So the fascinating thing for me, and, and doctors actually sort of said this, is that the the link in my brain between like fantasy and reality hooked up late. So when I was a kid, I would sort of, I would fall asleep and I would dream, but my conscious brain didn't know that it was a dream. So when I would wake up, mm. I could not tell that I had been dreaming. So I would have dreams where there were ants crawling all over me, and I would wake up and swear to God that that had just happened, That's because right. I could not tell the difference. And I guess what I'm saying is, if my body and my mind can't tell the difference between that actually literally happening and someone else being able to mm -hmm. see it, what difference does it make? Yeah, it so really wild. happened. I responded. I had not, you know, I didn't have pinpricks, but my arms were all, you know, splotchy red from irritation. I mean, it's your body It's almost like responds. the opposite of a lucid dream, where in a lucid dream, mm. you're actually conscious <gasps> and aware right. that you're dreaming. Whereas when you wake up, you're actually unconscious right. of where that, that, that you were dreaming right. and that it that folds over into your into your uh, into your wakened hour. That's that's yeah. wild. I never. It was really crazy, of and a like lot that. of different stuff happened. And 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 the only way I knew it was a dream is because my conscious mm. brain said, "Deb, it's impossible." physically for that to have happened now mm. I, as i grew up that link was made and i don't have this problem anymore <laughs> yeah. right right but, it, but that is that is and it's part of why when we're a kid we're so vulnerable to exactly that we wake up screaming from nightmares and things because that link happens as we uh, Develop. mature yeah mm. as interesting both, so. bryce you just reminded me yeah. both, of, both of you i had uh you were in my <gasps> conscious thoughts while i was lucid dreaming Whoa. two nights ago no way i totally forgot about this I was I was in one of those like crazy you know those crazy it usually happens to me and and I don't take naps as much as I used to or should where you, I would always have like intense weird dreams like when I was napping in yeah. the afternoon like getting a really hard like REM REM yeah. cycle in the middle of the day I, t I tend to like dream most in the early morning hour or so before I wake up I can't remember what the dreams were about but I was vividly dreaming and i was aware of it happening and i heard you and my brain go look at your hand <laughs> oh no way because oh, we cool. talk, talked yeah. about lucid dreaming it's like if you study your hand during the day yeah and you can see the back of your hand or your palm and you're like okay that's my hand and you uh -huh. can see the details and when something's happening and you're in a dream and you don't know whether you're dreaming or not look at your hand uh -huh. and if the hand is blurry or looks different then you know you're in a dream and that's it's a Weird. it's an exercise to let you go okay now i'm gonna see if i can shape my reality yeah and i I did that. That's and, wild. and so here so I remember going, look at your hand, Michael, and I looked and my hand was blurry and I go, I'm dreaming. Oh, that's and the so best. I, I love that. I started to fly. I was like, all right, yes. I'm gonna fly. I, I woke up, I start I would wake up, but then I would go back to sleep. You can get back in. And I would it. go, Okay, look at your hand. And at one point I looked at my hand and my whole hand turned into like tree roots. Wow. Yeah. And I was like and then I was like, All right, let's put it back into a hand and then I was like I'm going to be Wolverine right now. I, like, <laughs> I remember I popped claws out yeah, of my hands yeah. and I was like climbing up buildings and using my claws. How real are the senses? It, oh, it, it, I remember going, this yeah. is going to hurt because you know how Wolverine yeah. like, yeah. hurts every time. And I saw the claws emerge and poke through my skin. It's the best. And I felt the pain of it as it was happening. Yeah. But then I had like these claws and I was just like 
running around with Wolverine wow. claws. But I, it was all because of the, of doing yeah. the podcast, and I was like, That's Bryce wild. told me to look at my hands. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Now, if you ever get to it. I've never had an experience like that. And oh, maybe because try. of the night ter- terrors, yeah. I wonder if I have a block. Well, right. You know, and they'll use people that uh, are, are traumatized by night t- night terrors and nightmares as yeah. well. They'll they'll go to lucid dreaming as an Ooh. exercise to confront their fears. Yeah. And what they'll know. what they'll tell these like there's a there's a great child's book out there about um, this kid who was suffering night terrors and, and how to overcome it. Um, as the story goes, his brother was like, you know, when you're in your dream. You know, check your hand, make sure if you're awake or there's other ways to do mm-hmm. it. Like, you know, close your nostrils and try and breathe. You should be able to. In a top. You should be able to breathe with, you know, by closing your nostrils and your mouth and you'll still breathe going, oh, my God, how am I still breathing? You're mm-hmm. lucid dreaming. And then um, anyway, so once the once the kid realized that he was he was dreaming, he's like he immediately became frightened. and He goes, oh, no, that monster is going to be after me. And, and he remember what his brother told me is, you know, look, that monster right into his eyes and run into his arms to give him a hug. <laughs> and and so he did this. This monster was like chasing him down and he stopped in his tracks, as scared as he was, you know, and looks this beast, this creature in his eyes and the beast sort of stops that he was like, you know, as scared as he could, he just kind of ran up into it and embraced it and, wow. it, and it disappeared. Whoa. And he never had those night terrors again. Have, have you ever seen The Nightmare on Netflix, the documentary no, about night terrors not. and stuff that people see? No. You should check it out. It's oh, it's Jesus. creepy, but it but it I'm sure you'll relate <laughs> as I do. Yeah. Now, you want to sleep even less. Yeah, yeah. Less, yeah. Than less than I do. Right. Now, Deb, you said before we started yes. the show yes. that you do have a story. I have like half a story. We'll take it. Okay. Half a story is like half a sandwich. It's still yeah, I love it. It's open a sandwich. face. I'd ra- yeah, it's I'd ra- just French. I'd rather have. Can we get some soup with that? <laughs> I'd rather have half a sandwich. <laughs> no sandwich. Um. So yeah, I guess the story. So I, I, I partially don't remember this because I was very young. I was about three years old. Um. And then I also don't remember it because I have the worst memory. I really have a terrible memory. Uh. But. There was a little old lady that lived in our house before my parents bought it um, and before I was long before I was born. And she was a piano teacher. And they, when she passed away, she had no heirs or anything like that. So the house went through probate and everything. And my parents bought it. Uh, a few years later, almost like five years later, I'm three years old and I'm home with a babysitter. And the babysitter tells my mother when she gets home that a little old woman came to the front door, knocked on the door and said, hi, what are you doing in my house? <gasps> and the babysitter said, no, 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 this is the Wool's residence. What are, where, you know, who, who are you looking for? And she says, no, I'm, I'm, I need to go home. Can you let me in? And she said, uh, I don't know. Let mm. me, let me go call someone. And the babysitter went to the phone to go call someone. And when she came back, the little old lady was gone. Um, so there's a number of theories. There was a little old lady who lived next door. So it's quite possible that she lost her way, but she was pretty a with it lady yeah, like yeah. and you know bella like i knew bella and bella knew my name and she'd probably know the babysitter so unless she was really having like an a weird episode it's unlikely um and then the other you know possibility could be that the spirit of this old old lady who lived there was just trying to come home i have another theory and yes. i and i think you'll probably agree to it <laughs> this old lady was taken to fairy world and when she came back, mm, there you go. There was an extreme loss of time. <laughs> no, there's some there's some amazing cases. What's strange about this? <laughs> what's crazy about this is usually it's not old ladies, but yeah. it's tales of, uh, and these are kind of real tales from uh, from history of lore anyway about uh, these kids who sort of get taken into. 
Um, and these are more overseas. You know, we don't have so much of a fairy or gnome culture here. I mean, like in changeling the, stories. In the, in the yeah. 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 And so they would get, uh, you know, they would be invited into this, you know, mm-hmm. into this fairy world where they would either partake of a food or drink offering. And and what what would seem... Well, we had that on True Blood where yeah. Sookie goes to the fairy realm and it's like an hour passes for her. <laughs> right. And she comes yeah. back would, two years has Exactly. Passed. What would seem like a short time passing, whether it's like an hour or two hours, they would be, you know, either these... These children who were would be like, I want, I would like to go home now. I want to go home, and you know, sometimes if they were lucky enough, the fairies would let them, mm-hmm. and uh, they would go back to their house, and you know, they would knock on the door, only to be opened by someone they didn't know, mm. and they say, "Where, where's my mom and dad?" And they're like, "Who are you?" And mm. and this person would say who they were, and they would come to find out that their you know parents had left that house some ten fifteen years prior, mm. and it was so that Van I mean, Winkle, yeah, sort of immediately reminded me of that extreme loss of time right. that took place hundreds of years ago. Whereas today, that that sort of loss of time has seemed to have shortened itself dramatically, mm. and not only that. But most uh, abduction phenomena cases, they're thankfully returned to their bed, whereas in a lot of that fairy lore, a lot of those people never came back. You well, know? the fairy lore I remember about the changeling is that they would they would take the good kid and they would leave a naughty kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they that's would right. switch them out, and yeah. so a weird parents, sickly troll baby, mm-hmm. right? So the 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 parents when you had a when you had a colicky or ter- you know terrible twos yeah. kid, you would blame it on the fairy. Yeah, yeah. and they would often and say it's not your kid. That's and, right. And Sids like suddenly. Yeah. Yeah. death they would yeah. go would oh say. our baby was taken by the fairies and replaced well, and that, with this yeah. that not... phenomenon also shows up in abduction lore my too, kid is, isn't dead is yeah. uh when these people get uh you know taken up into these ships they're made to held like these what they what they recount is these like kind of ugly hybrid babies mm. and they're made to like hold them and like coddle them and sometimes even made to like you know uh to you know give them nutrients like and it it's strange so so i agree with you when it's like these you know, when you start to like piece together sort of mm. these like these threads and you're like, well, yeah, obviously this isn't just some, you know, some physical being from Zeta Reticuli traveling <laughs> in their nuts and bolts spaceship uh-huh. over light years of time. This is like something that is that is changing, that is morphing, but still leaves like these common threads of like, you know, missing time it, of it's like a, it, ba- sickly weird babies and it, it whatever it is. Whether it's a real phenomenon that is like a physical phenomenon, which I, well you know, we know it's a real well, phenomenon. well I'm saying or it's sub subconscious thing it seems to be a byproduct of the human condition you know and I and what the, whatever that is I couldn't agree more that that absolutely the the human species or however you want to label it is directly involved with whatever this intelligence or whatever this parlance this mystery at play is is taking place i don't believe that it's happening from out there i believe that that whatever's taking place is is within here you know strange you you pointed at your dick when you said that yeah that's what i'm talking about (laughs) whatever's taking place comes from my dick (laughs) jeez michael Boys. That's his, that's his, boys. That's his, that's his I'm fault. Sorry. Boys. He did that. Boys. Um, all right. We have a game that we like to play with our guests. Uh-oh. It's rapid fire. Oh, no. I have a feeling this is going to be pretty easy for you. Uh-oh. Um, it's called Bullshit or Believe It. Oh, boy. 
going to go down a list. God. I'm going to name things. If you're open to them or you believe in them, you say believe it. If you f- think it's bullshit, you say bullshit. No, see, this is going to be really hard for me because I'm going to ha- I'm going to be like bullshit, but or well, believe it, but you can use inflection to okay, okay. insinuate okay. where you fall on the spectrum oh, with I'm, these things. Yeah, okay. Deborah, would, be- you, would you just give me mermaids? Uh, so often, <laughs> so many of our guests just say bullshit. Won't give to, you mermaids? Yeah, they. Would you just give me a believe it on mermaids? Just for me. Just for you. Yeah. I don't really know you that well. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I don't know. I, enough. I have ne- I have received no favors from you. That's I don't know true. if I'm ready no, to give true. one. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair you enough. did give me a donut. <laughs> Is that enough for that should... believe it on mermaids? T- technically, <laughs> I offered those the donut. Michael's, those were Michael's donuts. All right. So, so I, I can't. We'll see. We'll just have to see how it goes. Mm, there you go. I'm glad you're not dating anymore, Bryce. <laughs> God, I uh, sometimes when I hear you talk on the show, I just sit back and pretend that you're on a first date. Let me rephrase this. I'm glad I'm not dating anymore. I don't know how people do it these days. I was, I, I, you know. All right, on your mark. Okay. Get set. Ghosts. Believe it. UFOs. Bullshit. Bigfoot. Bullshit. Angels. Bullshit. Gnomes. Bullshit. Fairies. Bullshit. Unicorns. Bullshit. Loch Ness Monster. Believe it. Little gray aliens. Dogman. Bullshit. Parallel universes. Believe it. Shapeshifters. Mm, Bullshit. Mermaids. Bullshit. (laughs) Heaven. Bullshit. Hell. Bullshit. Dragons. Believe it. Yeti. Uh, Believe it. Elves. Bullshit. ESP. Believe it. Chupacabra. Bullshit. Demons. Bullshit. Atlantis. Bullshit. Life on other planets. Believe it. World peace. (sighs) Believe it. Peace in the multiverse. Believe it. All right. Well not bad. That was a really interesting one. You surprised one. us on a few. Yeah. yeah. All right. I want to just kind of go back down the list real quick. Okay. Huh? Bigfoot, you're like hardcore bullshit on, but Yeti. So yeah. here's here's how I feel about on that. So some of this, I think, could be, yeah, maybe a long time ago and the rumors have persisted. And so we see things that was maybe true at one point and no longer is. And so we still see things. The difference for me between Yeti and Bigfoot is Bigfoot is... Yeah, there's a lot of uncharted woods and stuff, but we really we're in there a lot. We've got helicopters in it. Whereas I feel like the tundra, you know, mm. like that's a really like there are whole swaths of the Antarctica Himalayas. places. Yeah, the Himalayas, like... you know, that those are that's really difficult terrain. I believe that there are probably I don't know about a yeti, but there are probably species of animals that we have not discovered. Some of the old yeti places. stories mm. that came out of the early 20th century, they almost describe the yeti as being like an orangutan, mm. like a smaller, like a five foot red haired mm-hmm. yeah. ape yeah. Um, or primate. Um, it's it's only later that they seem to it seems to be this big tall white that it's right. almost like TV and and stuff turned it like comic books turned it right. into that but a lot of those early yeti stuff it's like always brown or or red like an orangutan yeah half and is is more related to half bear half man too yeah they talk mm-hmm. about half man half bear yeah it's interesting hmm. okay uh, dragons then, dra- yes dragons. dragons again that's another one where I think. 
At one point in time, yes. I don't think there are dragons around now, but sure, do I believe that there were large lizard kind of hybrid With wings creatures? that could throw fire from their mouth? But, I mean, look, dragons evolved, um, dragons, uh, dinosaurs possibly evolved into birds. I mean, we're Definitely. looking at a lot of the similar bone structure and things like that. I believe that there, there could have been something along those lines that I don't know if they overlapped with humans or they found skeletons or what they did, mm-hmm. but I believe that, that there's enough of a connection there that I can I can buy it. I right. like that. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Um, awesome. Loch Ness Monster you're kind of open to. For similar reasons. I mean, the, the tricky thing about all of those is that there's just no way for something to survive if it's the last of its kind. Right. Mm. So that's where those get really tricky. So again, you know, do I believe that there might have been something that someone saw once that was real and the rumors have persisted and now we see waves and logs right. and we make more of it? Right. That's why I subscribe to interdimensional theory. It just opens the trap door for all my excuses. <laughs> yeah. Well, they don't have to survive. They're, 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 they're an interdimensional they're, entity. They're popular. Popping in and out of portals. They go yeah, back home to feed. There's in their, a wormhole at the bottom dimensions. of Lake Champlain. Come on, Deborah. Yeah. Exactly. It's just going back and forth from Scotland to We got to do champ. Yep. We got to do, do champ because that one champy photograph yeah. that is one of the best. I'm going to pull it up right now. <laughs> is one of the best. Um, Mike's referring to Michigan's Lake Champlain yes. mon- sea mon- lake monster. Uh, one of the best like sea monster photos. And I remember, I think it was on an episode of My Favorite Murder. They had a listener who. Um, <laughs> My Favorite Murder? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good podcast. It's a true crime podcast. It's, it's huge. Um, People yeah, it's love death. really wow. big. Um, champy. <laughs> monster photo but uh the, they had a listener write in whose mo- friend's mom or her mother's friend took this photo and it's one of the few um that is has not been <laughs> this debu- is michael google stalling has not no no, no <laughs> has not has, has not been debunked and story. it's been analyzed uh-huh. and whatever this thing is in this image is in the negative it's not been but it looks whatever this entity is this creature this animal it l- really looks like a plesiosaur mm-hmm. popping its head out of the water and it's here passing around oh, yeah, sure. and swimming away and it's one of my favorite uh, and what's photos. The, what's the date on this photo? I think oh, it's yeah. six in the 60s, 60s, late 60s or 70s. Oh, yeah. She was on the shore. She had her Kodak yeah. camera and looked out and saw this thing. And she snapped a photo and it went underwater. And it's just such, whatever like, that yeah. is, is a, it's an animal of some kind. Yeah. And it's such a cool, it's, they really, it's one of the ones that they're like, we can't. We can't debunk this this photo. This mm-hmm. looks and she's zoologists and uh, scientists have looked at it and they're like, well, we can't we can't say what it is for sure, but we can say it's it's something. Um, but I don't know. Really cool. We'll do. We got to do Champy. <laughs> uh, all right, we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, it is time for this week's story of high strangeness. Yay! <laughs> Get psyched for your own story, dude. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, Bryce here. I'm working on a brand new secret project about none other than, yep, you guessed it, Bigfoot. And I need your help. If you, yes you, have ever seen the elusive beast, 
I want to hear about it. I'm looking for first-person accounts of actual Bigfoot sightings. So if that's you, please email me at BigfootCollectorsClub at gmail.com and use the subject line, Bryce's Bigfoot Sightings. Or maybe you know of someone else who has crossed paths with the big guy. In that case, encourage them to write in. Just be sure to leave your contact information, as well as a detailed description of your Sasquatch sighting. And you may be hearing from me. Thanks in advance. Now, back to the show. All right, we're back, and this week is my story of high strangest with with I'm chip chip a chip a chip. Okay. Uh, Can we take we'll that take again. That again, yes. <laughs> that happened to me on the last episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just broke. I just yeah. broke. my machine broke. I know. And we're back. Uh, with, uh, <laughs> I screwed up the first one, but I'm going to keep this one uh, with my week's story of high strangeness. And with the return of the final season of Game of Thrones and the nearing of the White Walkers, as well as the recent retelling of Stephen King's Pet Cemetery, not to mention my recent fascination of all things of the strange disappearances that have taken place in our national forests, I thought, what better creature to discuss for this week's episode of High Strangeness than that of the Wendigo? A man-eating creature or evil spirit native to the northern forests of the Atlantic coast and Great Lakes region of the United States and Canada. I'd like to start this week's episode off with a quote from S.E. Schlosser's Wendigo, a Northwest Territories ghost story of the Ojibwa First Nation. He had learned about the Wendigo at his father's knee. It was a large creature, as tall as a tree. With a lipless mouth and jagged teeth, its breath was a strange hiss, its footprints full of blood, and it ate any man, woman, or child who ventured into its territory. And those were the lucky ones. Sometimes the Wendigo chose to possess a person instead, and then the luckless individual became a Wendigo himself, hunting down those he had once loved and feasting upon their flesh. The Wendigo may appear as a monster, often depicted with a stag's head, which is like a deer's head with antlers, with some characteristics of a human or as a spirit who has possessed a human being and made them become monstrous. It is historically associated with murder, insatiable greed, and the cultural taboos against such behaviors, especially cannibalism. I don't suppose you have a nice Chianti, do you, Riley? <laughs> Sorry, that was awesome. Uh, tales of this legendary creature, <laughs> that's up for debate, uh, are believed to be the impetus for the world's first zombie stories. The myth originated as a way to prevent those facing starvation in times of famine from resorting to cannibalism for survival. The Wendigo mythology later morphed into a way to encourage moderation and cooperation within indigenous tribes. Anyone guilty or greedy of jealousy or anyone who had ever tasted human flesh was considered prey for the beast. Can I pause for one minute? Please. To listen along, I I started to Google Wendigo yeah. so I could look at pictures. And <laughs> I accidentally just typed Wendy with an I and just got all these photos of women named Wendy. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. It's eating, related. Eating we'll, other people. I'll tie yeah, that in I'll later. This is what I got Wendy's. when I Googled Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's all finish right. spelling that word. Yes. You want, might want to finish that with an I-G-O. 
It became such a problem that tribes began to appoint Wendigo Slayers for Hire, a movie I might ask Michael to help me write, (laughs) where those who were believed to be transforming into a Wendigo would be put to death, but more on that later. The earliest version of the Wendigo legend came from the Algonquin Native American tribes and describes it as an evil spirit or demonic entity that was able to possess humans and in some cases even transform into human beings themselves. Those who had previously been driven to commit cannibalism as a desperate act of self-preservation during a harsh winter could be affected by the evil entity, as could anyone with harboring feelings of greed. This malevolent spirit is driven by its insatiable hunger for human flesh, so any human possessed by it would slip into a savage state like some mindless, flesh-craving zombie. While earlier Native American cultures spoke of the Wendigo as a spirit, eventually it took on the shape of a physical beast. This beast could also infect a person if that person was tainted by greed or had committed the sin of consuming human flesh. May I suggest we start a drinking game for those listening that every time I mention the words human flesh to take a shot. Unless you're driving while you're listening. Unless you're driving. Don't do not do that. <laughs> then don't do that. Or a child. <laughs> <laughs> like the spirit. Oh, yes. There we go. Thank you, Michael. Yes. Uh, he just showed Deborah a picture of a Wendigo. Like the spirit, the creature was able to poison the minds of humans, turning them into a Wendigo and forcing them to constantly crave the meat of other humans. The emaciated creature topped with a stag's skull's head, sunken eyes and skin stretched impossibly tight over its bones, is known to give off the stench of death and corruption, similar to a zombie, not just in its seemingly mindless hunger, but also in its form. It's strikingly tall, yet seems fragile and haggard, falling apart from decomposition as it moves. Now, whether in the form of a beast or a spiritual entity, the Wendigo is said to possess supernatural abilities that make it near impossible to escape. Despite its gone figure, it's unnaturally large, fast, and strong, with a heightened sense of endurance. The Wendigo is a supreme hunter, immune to even the harshest climates, like that north of the wall. It stalks its prey... (laughs) And can mimic human voices. Isn't that creepy? So its favorite pastime is luring people away from safety and driving them mad deep in the wilderness in order to consume or possess them. Michael, I'm over here, babe, near this creek. Bryce? Quit being silly, Michael. Come over here. Bryce, where are you? It's me, Bryce. (laughs) (laughs) Some say the Wendigo infects its host slowly, tormenting them as it takes over the mind and body. It begins with strange odors that only the victim can smell. Then they're plagued with nightmares, their sanity melting away from their sleep-deprived minds. They'll experience an unbearable burning sensation throughout their legs and feet and usually end up stripping down, running naked through the forest like a madman, which reminds me of the Dyatlov Pass incident. If you remember, those nine hikers up in the Ural Mountains of Russia all stripped down before they ran into the woods. Well, I was just hearing about that, yeah. The Dyatlov Pass incident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't there a phenomenon where when you're freezing... Like a hypothermia feels like burning? It feels like burning, and a lot of times people will take off their clothes. No, 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 that's the one to go. This is usually... (laughs) But I'm the last anyone sees of those cursed by the Wendigo. The few who have returned from the woods after suffering Wendigo fever have been said to come back utterly insane. 
According to a Algonquin myth, once a Wendigo eats another person, it grows in direct proportion to the person it just consumed, making it impossible for it to ever be full. It is the embodiment of gluttony, constantly consuming yet never satisfied, always on the brink of starvation like an actor fresh off a newly canceled hit series. <laughs> According to the lore, the longer a Wendigo walks... Is that a jab in, at me? No, it's me. It's just, that's me. Um, why, are you are you freshly killed off a new series? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Daredevil. Wow, okay, there you go. Way um, to rub it in, Bryce. No, sorry. man, invite sorry. me over and make me feel bad. My bad. <laughs> According to the lore, the longer a Wendigo walks the earth, the stronger its powers become. The savage creature can eventually gain the ability to control the weather and call upon darkness before sunset, reminding me of the strange parallels in the missing 411 cases where after these strange disappearances of oftentimes children, the weather always seems to change for the worse, uh, inhibiting or uh, stalling search and rescue efforts. I'm just saying that the Wendigo's power set is a little o- a little overpowered and it's... <laughs> I was going to say, this is a terrible D&D monster. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like level 22 or something. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Um, Its speed and strength can also grow with age, as does its ability to heal. While the name stems directly from the lore, Wendigo Psychosis, which is an actual real disorder based on the Algonquin tribe's mythology, where people develop an appetite for human flesh. Now, this form of cannibalism is not considered the same as those who consume human meat in survival scenarios, like in the 1993 movie Alive, where the Uruguayan rugby team crashes into the Andes Mountains and is forced to eat each other to survive, starting with the buttocks. Wendigo psychosis, on the other hand, describes someone who has access to normal food sources, yet feels overwhelmed by the need for human flesh. It'd be like if you lived right next to an Albertsons, yet you craved human flesh. Albert himself. (laughs) Albert's son. Albert's son. Speaking of sons, back in 1878, a Cree man named Swift Runner was only 25 miles away from the Hudson Bay Company's supply post when he was overcome with the need to butcher and eat his entire family. The winter of 1878 was brutal, and Swift Runner's son allegedly died due to harsh conditions. Now, whether Runner and his entire family consumed the boy after his death is unclear. What was found were the mutilated remains of Runner's wife and his five remaining children. Runner confessed to killing and eating his family, but he blamed his actions on the Wendigo. He was put to death by authorities at Fort Saskatchewan. That sounds like uh, old-timey serial killer (laughs) who's like, not my fault. Yeah. Well, let's do the antithesis of that. In 1907... A man named Jack Fiddler, an OG Cree chief, and his brother Joseph were arrested by Canadian authorities for slaughtering 14 people. According to Fiddler, the victims had all either transformed into a Wendigo or were on the verge of doing so. Fiddler was a medicine man considered to have great powers, capable of stopping the ancient evil of his tribe, which is how he got away with executing so many people. After their arrest, Jack committed suicide before he could stand trial, but his brother Joseph was given a life sentence as his accomplice. The sentence only lasted about three days, however, because he died in prison right before he was given a pardon. So these medicine men took it upon themselves to alleviate the tribe of their evil Wendigo inhabited. Stephen King has also explored the legend and lore of the Wendigo in his books The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon, as well as one of my personal faves, Pet Cemetery 
which was recently remade starring John Lithgow as old Judd. In the movie, the Wendigo was responsible for reanimating whatever animal or human was buried in an old Micmac burial ground, which the Micmacs stopped using because they believed the land was sour. The Wendigo manipulated events throughout the story, infecting the characters' minds as they become more stone-hearted and susceptible to the ancient evil. Whether human or pet, the resurrected corpses came back horribly altered. They were strange and violent and smelled horrible. They were nothing more than hosts for the Wendigo lurking in the woods. I love it whenever your high strangeness tales just start becoming movies, <laughs> movie plots that you describe. <laughs> And is it more than feasible, Michael, that George R. R. Martin drew some inspiration <laughs> Spark from the notes Algonquian flesh mm-hmm. eaters when he crafted his terrifying ice zombies? The very second paragraph in A Game of Thrones, after the prologue, reads, The wildlings were cruel men, she said, slavers and slayers and thieves. They consorted with giants and ghouls, stole girl children in the dead of the night, and drank blood from polished horns and their women lay with the others in the long night to sire terrible half-human children. Yeah, but that's 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 a racist mm-hmm. woman's perspective this of last the wildlings. Invokes the, description. They don't, the wildlings don't really do all that no. stuff. Okay, well, fine. This last invokes the description of Wendigos as half-beast, and their association with the north, winter, famine, and cold is not to be overlooked. And, all the, and although tales of this decrepit flesh-eater are relegated to that of mostly legend, recent reports and videos have surfaced online, a most reliable source indeed, that <laughs> lay claim to something very real out there, haunting those who stumble into the woods in territories where they don't belong. Or perhaps in a more Jungian world, could man's insatiable greed and selfishness, as well as our intolerable stewardship of our planet, have reawakened and somehow manifested a creature hell-bent on evening the score. You tell me. Deborah, what the hell was that? I I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's the story of the uh, the Wendigo. That's cool. Yeah. Cool monster. Yeah, it's a cool monster. Yeah. I mean, I'd put it under bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I think it's... it's uh, I think it's definitely an invention to describe the effects of like hypothermia, being lost in the woods, all that stuff. I mean, you know, uh, obviously, like nature is a force and nature yeah. is a spirit. And, you know, uh, so I get it. I get it. And mm-hmm. I really like it. I don't think anyone's ever going to get a Wendigo on camera. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Right. But I I love that it is the description of bad of what bad things can happen to people in the cold in the winter. Yeah, and, I would uh, I would tend to agree with that. This seems to be more of of uh, sort of an inhabited mythology based on these indigenous tribes that would that would sort of use these stories to, um, to you know dissuade their people from sort of these cultural taboos such as that of cannibalism and greed and not sharing within the tribe. Um, but you know, there are stories and I did look up like recent stories and there, there's some interesting thing, interesting things caught on camera. A lot, a lot are a little, I mean, they're, they're great camera footage, video things, but you know, do they make heads or tails of it? No one can say, but there are some recent reports and and sightings of people like you were telling of last week of, of some pretty credible witnesses who describe, you know, their encounters with, with some sort of odd entity in the woods. 
Um, and then you have the story of these missing 411 things that, you know, um, where all these people have gone missing in these national forests under strange and weird circumstances. And, and it reminds me of like, you know, being able to lure someone away from their family, you know, um, which is so often happened as like the last one trailing in like a family, you know, is, seems to be just disappear out of nowhere and somehow. The mimicry is a, is a real trend yeah. within <clears throat> wood monsters, particularly hags and things like that. Mm. There's this idea that someone's going to lure you because you're right. going to trust them. You're going to think there's someone that you know right. uh, or someone who needs help. And that that's a very common, fa- even fairy tales. Yeah, yeah, Hansel and Gretel. I mean, yeah. the whole, I mean, it's... Uh, a house made of candy is a it's not mim- mimicry necessarily mm-hmm. but yeah that's fat that's really spooky that yeah. idea of and in kentucky they have that 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 crying baby phenomenon which mm-hmm. takes place near those caves where the residents mm-hmm. um they they all report this like strange sound of a crying baby almost as if to like i mean what would lure, lure almost in? anyone in ex- yeah, except absolutely. that of the sound of a, of a helpless needless you know child out there but that's scary good lesson if you hear a baby crying <laughs> don't, don't go near the helping <laughs> baby stay away from yeah. that wood baby yeah. let the baby it's a wood baby the baby now needs to learn baby you don't want to go near it the baby needs to learn how to self-soothe yeah. just let it <laughs> you know this it reminded me a lot of uh you know the concept of the hungry ghost from buddhism have you heard of, oh, heard of this at all uh, similar i'm not too familiar it with seems it like it had kind of the same cultural usage or meaning where mm. the, the hungry ghost is like a, something you can become karmatically where you just are you're it, i mean it is what it sounds like it, yeah it's forever hungry and it but it can never be satiated and it's like this big ghost with a tiny mouth and it can't ever yeah. feed itself enough so it's this sort of gluttony and um yeah you know what i'm fascinated with is is these these kind of and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier you know these tales sort of told over time and time again and and then they sort of take on a mythology of their own and they take on a belief system of their own can these can you know can it can it cross a threshold of like belief to where it actually you know evolves into something physical something tangible that can that can actually, you know, turn into something. Like you a tulpa. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, what what is the power of the collective unconsciousness? You know, what is its ability to create and to manifest fears and desires? You know, how how much of this is uh, can be can be made from people's absolute belief in the terrors of these things? You know, um, to form a basis in in reality. I don't know. You know, but uh, there is something to be said for that. Yeah. Fear become manifest. Yeah, absolutely. Final thoughts, Deborah. Oh my goodness. Um. Yeah, I mean, I it's it sounds like what you guys are talking about is maybe one step further than I would be willing to go. I don't know that the things that we believe and feel, no matter how um, intense they are, I believe they might be real for us. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I believe that that energy somehow coalesces into an other, an actual separate entity. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a step too far for it's me right now. It's a stretch of the imagination. Yeah. For sure. You know, um, obviously there are experiences people have that maybe support that idea. Mm. Um, but I'm, I'm, more in the camp of saying our minds and our imaginations and our instincts our our guts are so powerful and and if our bodies believe that something is real for us it might as well be right it's the same experience yeah 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 exactly i mean yeah i mean that's what i think of too and in in that exact sense i mean 
once you are freezing to death and hypothermia is kicking in and you feel like you're on fire and you're taking off your clothes and running out, what's the difference between that and being yeah. possessed by a Wendigo? There's really, yeah. it's the same, it's the same thing, you know, mm-hmm. even though, yes, one is hypothermia and the other is like, you know, it's not actually a spirit, but it might as well be, mm-hmm. you know. Well, I wonder if there's oddly something comforting in thinking that it's it's an outside that is it is it comforting to think oh it's something outside that maybe i could fight yeah versus hypothermia you're so helpless yeah it just takes over and that's it and and there's nothing you can do to fix it unless you know you know but but if it's this outside creature and you're like if i were just strong enough and i think there's a there's oddly a comfort in monsters in that Mm -hmm. way that we create them because it gives us something to fight against rather than just the true terror of things that actually yeah, happen. Of being to us. human, yeah. yeah. Of being of, human. Yeah, of chaos and yeah. things that we have no control over. Your 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 kid rolled over in the night and died. And yeah. that is such a deeper, more horrific story yes. than a, anything a, an elf conjure. coming in the a fairy coming in the night and switching it out. Yeah. Um yeah. so I I can see where those stories would be tremendously helpful. Yeah. Touche. Yeah. Great. So mermaids, yes. Mermaids. <laughs> what you're saying? Well, I gave you mermaids and shapeshifters. Yeah, mermaids and shapeshifters. I gave you like a bullshit. You did. Yeah, yeah. And well, I appreciate it. Well, mostly because I'm. I'm. Do you guys see Glass or I haven't you know, seen it yet. Well, but it's you know the from yeah. the the from the first movie as well. Um, what they talk about. Um, McAvoy's character being able to do is this idea of like, is it actually a shift? Or again, is he somehow, because of the presence of his mind, able to clench in just the right ways and use tiny muscles that the rest of us don't have access to that he could scale a wall that appears to be smooth. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and that's that's really fascinating to me, the power of the mind in that way. So there's a part of me that believes that there were potentially people in throughout history that were enough in connection with their body. Absolutely. I mean, we see people do incredibly. You've watched Free Solo? Yeah. It, it made, me, mind made me think bo- mind of that. Yeah. Mind-blowing. Right? I haven't seen it. Mind-blowing. And, and, and you know, this goes of. back to, to what you were saying earlier. I mean, we still don't know as a scientific community just what consciousness yeah. is or the mind is for that matter, let alone what it's capable Absolutely. of rendering or doing. Um, and it's often been said that we use a fraction of our brain's limited capacity. Mm-hmm. I mean, at, at one any given time. I mean, I think they say it's like at ten to fifteen percent. At you know, I want to look up that stat because that comes up a lot on yeah. this show. And that I'm like, you should know how much of that is <laughs> like an urban legend at this yeah, point. You know, it's know, one of those yeah. facts that people. I'm not, I've done done it too, and other yeah. guests have brought it up. It's like we need. There's some things that like come up again and again. Yeah. It's like I'm gonna double check that. Mm. I'm gonna see where that comes from, and I'm sure there's truth behind it. Yeah, but I don't know. Well, there's a whole p- portion of your brain. I, mean, I don't know very much about neuroscience, but there's whole portions of your brain that might not be consciously functioning, but are functioning to keep your body just right. doing things. So they're sure. being used. We're yeah. just not using them, you know, consciously. Yeah, yes. that's what I think too. There's yeah. a whole other thing going on. The internet says ten percent. Yeah. There you go. So. The well, we're only, we're only using we ten. Trust, we trust the internet. Yeah, we so, trust think that. Think about that. Well, one of so one of my acting teachers says, um, "You and your mind are not the same thing. Otherwise, who's listening?" Mm-hmm. So there is some conversation that happens within your body. Are you speaking, or is your mind speaking? And then right. who's listening? So there, there, we are made up of sort of multiple consciousnesses. I, in I've some always way. thought that. I've always yeah. thought about that ever since I was a little kid. I would be. Not that you know you're hearing voices necessarily, yeah. but just that like I've always thought about like what is that 
I I remember ever since I was a kid having like a higher voice in my head that I bounce my thoughts off of, like mm-hmm. the person you're checking in yeah. with. You know, I think that's, I think yeah, that's really yeah. I hadn't really thought about it in a while, but guys, I just pulled up an article from Scientific American saying, though an alluring idea, the ten percent myth is so wrong it's almost laughable. We knew okay, it. see oh, that's why gotcha. I was. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, so, Riley, that the can internet, the internet. Yeah, that again. <laughs> we'll link we'll link that in the show notes so people can uh, yeah. Yeah. Can check so that out. So let's stop yeah. saying that. Right. Right. That's right. why I was like, I don't think There's that's plenty of bullshit. other laughable things that we say <laughs> yeah, on this sure. show. Oh, <laughs> we would this have is to science based show. We would have to delete our entire library. We wouldn't exist. Yeah. All right. Um, Deborah Ann, well, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, what a pleasure. Thanks for having um, me. This is before fun. Before we go, uh-huh. where can people find you? Uh, where can they find your show? Um, yeah, uh, definitely. We didn't even talk about how much you're into D and D. So oh into my D&D, god, you guys! That. Yeah, that should be a special <laughs> segment for. Well, our I do. I mean, D and D is a really fun one to talk about, specifically in relationship to everything you guys talk about, because this is a fantasy world in yep. which you get to really interact with these different creatures. I'm sure someone has created a Wendigo. It's not in the monsters manual, as far as I know. What? Um, um, what? What are you playing? Strictly Dungeons and Dragons? Is that yes. your? Okay. I love Dungeons and Dragons. I don't know much about a lot of the other platforms. Like mm-hmm. I've never played Path finder or done any of those ones um but dungeons and dragons is great it's very accessible right now um but yeah i have a show called relics and rarities that do you I guys created. play on the show or? we do i i wrote a, a six episode campaign 12 hours of content and uh i lead a group through and we have celebrity guests on which is really cool wow. janina came and did an episode i saw that Life, yeah it's very cool and uh yeah it, it went really really well it's one of the proudest things of my career oh dude that's awesome we've so got proud. a we'll, we'll throw a link up in that yeah well, I, it, so it's super fun and, it and it's rolling out on youtube and twitch right now so you can see it for free on youtube on mondays great. actually we oh had great another, check it out. out today have all episodes aired no um on youtube we're through episode four today okay. and then on twitch worth we'll be through episode five this week. fantastic so it's happening Six. right now it's happening right now. Right. Awesome. right now yeah great well it's our uh, listeners definitely go check that out um instagram are you twitter you do... i am on all those things i don't know what they are because i'm not awesome. that good at them but you'll find me i'm okay. all verified yeah. you're, right. you're very googleable google um more googleable than scientific facts yeah, apparently. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> we're only using 10 percent of our deborah <laughs> uh what do you guys got any plugs anything you want to mention anything you're into you're watching game of thrones by the way i'm uh yeah. by the time this airs we'll be a few episodes in but i'm totally. so happy that that's back oh if you are a fan of game of thrones you should definitely check out i was gonna actually plug this this has been the little collector's corner fun thing that i've been oh, doing yeah, you did something um, for season four correct oh well yeah but that yeah i did that was years ago is that what you're about uh, to do no no, oh. no 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 um there i am into the books i've been into the books since before the show was a thing um <laughs> but sure. there's a there's a uh youtube uh i don't know if it, i think it's one guy or maybe it's a team of people but there's one guy narrating it called alt shift x and this guy has the best game of thrones fan theory stuff it goes into the hit for the books and the show goes into old like histories of like you know john's lineage or who's azora oh, wow. high or like what the white walkers really are or uh, uh, like i spent on my vacation like just a lot of time going through all these fan uh, fan theory stuff and it's really really fun alt shift uh x if you are into I love it 
into Game of Thrones. Definitely you know, check it like, out. That's I'd, like the one show that my my wife and I can like totally like kind of nerd out on. There's like, enough overlap. Yeah, there. there's enough overlap there. Well, even she'll totally get into it. You know, right. I, it's I, pretty I, great. It's, it's fun to watch. I yeah. can't get into it. Really? No, I can't wow. get into it. I'm so surprised. Everyone is. It's basically like a Dungeons and Dragons world, yeah. but right, that's yeah. the problem. Oh yeah, I would so rather Too play Dungeons right, and Dragons right. than see like a pre laid out story. Gotcha, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that's cool. It's that makes so, sense. Yeah, I maybe give the books a shot. I, ugh, I've tried. Okay. I don't like, <laughs> to- like maybe read nine nine four hundred page books. I don't like Tolkien either. I wish there were nine. I don't like Tolkien either. The only Tolkien I can read is The Hobbit. Yeah, it's, it's all this hiking and fighting, and I'm like, this is so boring. <laughs> it's hiking and all fighting. I do is again. hike and fight. <laughs> right. Hike and fight. And there's it's really and there's there barely <laughs> any women and it's really it's really bad. Yeah, yeah, for, I'll give you that. I, I just Tolkien, can't I can't sure. get myself into it. I I I gotta I, be honest, yeah. the Tolkien stuff, the the books, I mean, I know. Guys. I know, I know. Bores me a little <laughs> bit. Bores me a little bit. I'd rather have Game of Thrones. Mm. I do like the movies though. <laughs> um you guys are hurting my feelings. I know, I'm so sorry. A lot of people are pissed. I'm sure. I know. I'm just like, come watch my Dungeons and Dragons show, but I hate everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate all everything. You love Anyone about else it. Created. I kind of uh, like that. I have a thing that I've been into lately. Uh, it's this Canadian uh, electronic music artist named Tim Hecker. Okay, he's mm-hmm. like, it's like ambient music. I've been looking in more into ambient music because I'm doing it on the show. So, Tim Hecker is. It's just. He makes the most beautiful music I've heard in a long time. Cool. So oh, great. Are you making more ambient music? I am, yeah. And I've actually been thinking about maybe uh, for the Patreon, maybe releasing some of the scores Dude, oh, you just yeah. on their own. Oh, for, that'd be great. You know, some mellow vibes. Yeah. yeah. I have yeah. to say, I'm Over super impressed that it's live, that you do live ambient music. He's our stories. secret weapon. It's not like a, you didn't like come up with something spooky and just no. play it. You're no. really like just following the vibe. Yeah. 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 But it's yeah, check stuff. out Tim Hecker. He, he rules. It's weird the old episodes that you're not doing that. I know it feels naked without it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right. uh, Just a reminder contact in the desert, June 1st, our first live show. Uh, Get tickets. tickets. Come out, meet us. Yeah, Indian Springs, California. Go to contactinthedesert.com. We don't know what we're getting ourselves into, but we know that we're going to put on a good show with a very special guest that will be part of the uh, an expert in the UFO field. Uh, we know who that is. We're not telling you yet. It should be a really fun show. Uh, please come to that. And um, yeah, contactinthedesert.com to get uh, tickets. Anything else? Uh, I'll be at uh, Radio City Music Hall the 14th and 15th of May for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend Live and the Ontario, California uh, Comic Book Convention on the 18th and 19th of May as well. So come see me there. Great. Yay. Ooh. All right. Awesome. Thanks again, Deb. Thank thanks. you, Deborah. Yay. It's a pleasure. This is Yay. Fun. Bye, Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Until next week, go get regressed. Hold up. Hey, this is Eric Malinsky, host of the podcast Imaginary Worlds. Each episode, I explore different sci-fi fantasy genres, talking with filmmakers, novelists, game designers, cosplayers, comic book artists, and anyone who works in the field of make-believe. 
I also look at the fan experience, asking, why do we suspend our disbelief? You can subscribe to Imaginary Worlds wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, Heather Ashley here, host of the Big Mad True Crime Podcast. If you're looking for a true crime podcast with all of the details and none of the small talk, you have found your people. Each week, we dive deep into a new case and learn everything there is to know, from getting to know the victim and the impact their case has had on those around them, to the investigation into what happened to them and who is or might be responsible, and if the bad guy looks like he might drink whiskey by a dumpster or has the social skills of an ogre, we say it because we were all thinking it anyway. As the name suggests, we get big mad over true crime, and I would love to have you join our incredible community of listeners with big hearts and zero time for small talk. Subscribe to Big Mad True Crime anywhere you listen to podcasts and listen to new episodes every single Monday.